We want to wish all of our mothers a very happy Mother's Day. I hope it's the best one you've ever had. Uh, we're just so excited about uh, today and the message God's going to bring to us. But before we do that, uh, guys, children, men, why don't you honor the mothers in your homes right now? Would you do that? Just honor them and uh, just let this be a special day for them. We, we love you. We thank God for you. And uh, before I get in the Word today, I want to... I uh, mentioned that we're going to be celebrating our graduating seniors with a drive-by parade coming up this Saturday. There are some details on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and your emails. Open your emails because we have videos and announcements and all kinds of stuff in those emails. Check them out. Continue to check out your daily devotionals. Also, don't forget to give online. You can give online. You can text to give. Uh, there's different ways that you can do that. And... Uh, so uh, continue to be faithful in your tithing and your offerings and, and so forth. And, and I just want to, uh, I'm excited about this word today. Uh, this is something that the Lord laid on my heart back in January when we were doing the 21-day fast. And uh, the title of my message today, it's, it, this message is a message of faith. It is a message that is not just for women who would like to get pregnant or maybe the women that have suffered uh, some miscarriages and you're hoping that your next pregnancy will go to full term and you'll have your a beautiful child. We're going to believe God for that today. At the end of this message, we're going to pray for you. And I believe this time next year, you're going to be holding your child. And so uh, we're going to do that. And uh, the title of my message is, Does God Still Do Miracles? Does God still do miracles? Is he still a miracle-working God? And the answer to that is yes. I would like for you to turn in your Bibles or look on the screen to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Reading out of the New American Standard Bible, it says, Now there was a certain man from Ramathim, Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jer Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, great, she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Now it came about, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips 
were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this powerful text and scripture. I thank you, Father, for the wonderful time and worship that we've had and, and for the wonderful mothers that you have blessed us all with that have raised us in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I pray now, God, you would anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I pray you would anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I pray, God, let faith ignite in our spirits in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, anoint us to hear what the Spirit is saying and receive it by faith. In Christ's name, and if you're at home, just shout out a good amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. High five somebody as you're sitting there on your couch or wherever you're watching. Yeah, go ahead and high five them. I meant that. High five. High five. What is a miracle? One definition is a miracle is an event occurring in the natural world. Observed by the senses, produced by divine power without any adequate human or natural cause. The purpose of which is to reveal the will of God and to do good to men. I have a question for you today. Do you believe in miracles? Because I can tell you I sure do because I am one. And that leads me to point number one and that is this. Do you need a miracle? Perhaps you're watching today. And you desire greatly to have a child and you've been unable to get pregnant. Or maybe you've had the misfortune of having miscarriages. Or you need a healing in your body. Maybe the doctor has diagnosed cancer over you. Or maybe they have given you a positive test result and they say you have COVID-19. Or maybe you are praying desperately year after year for your lost loved ones to come home. Whatever you have need of today, it all starts with do you need a miracle and do you believe God is still a miracle working? God. In verse 3, we pick up and we find that this man, Elkanah, and his family were very devout and religious. The Bible says year after year, they made the journey to Shiloh to worship the Lord, which was required by God three times a year as for every Israelite. Now, 
There are very few in this day and age doing this. Uh, you can understand and know this because in chapter 3 and, and chapters 1 through 4, you find that Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were rascals, they were not good men. Eli was not doing the right thing. Very few people were serving the Lord. As a matter of fact, in chapter 3 of, of 1 Samuel, it says that the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It meant God wasn't speaking to his people. People were far from God. So for Elkanah and his family to obey God and, and observing these feasts and going to shallow and worshiping the Lord meant they were religious. They were serving God. They were, they were standing out above what, the, above what the rest of the nations were doing. They were truly had a heart for God. As a result, because of so many few uh, attending this religious feast, as we said, Elkanah's faithfulness and his devotion to the Lord stood out as a strong testimony to everyone that no matter what the rest of the nation was doing, no matter if the priests were not doing right, him and his family were going to do what was right. I've got a question for you. Does your faithfulness and devotion stand out to your coworkers, friends, and family? When everyone else at work is lying, gossiping, and cheating, is your devotion to the Lord standing out? When your family and friends are living a godless lifestyle, does your devotion to the Lord stand out? When your neighbors have a wife-swapping club in your neighborhood, does your devotion to the Lord stand out? When your roommate parties until the wee hours of every night, does your devotion to the Lord stand out? Is your devotion to the Lord standing out on your Facebook page, on your Instagram, on your Snapchat, or on your TikTok account? See, it's easy. It's easy to go along with the crowd and what everybody else is doing. But I want you to know, Elkanah and his family were serving the Lord. They were going after God. And they were going to do what was right in the sight of God, no matter what everybody else was doing. Man, I want to tell you, God is looking for a people that will rise up and say, I don't care what the worst of the world does. I don't care what my neighbors do. I don't care what society says is okay. I'm going to serve the Lord. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Woo! Shout out a good amen. This is a good place for you to type in an emoji, a hand clap emoji, or a I'm devoted to the Lord. Just type that in right now. I'm devoted to the Lord. Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. Verse 4 and 5, we find out twice that the Bible says that the Lord closed Hannah's womb. Now, you have to understand in ancient days, in these time and day, day and age, in Israel, it was crucial for a man to have a son. And for a woman, there was nothing more devastating than not being able to have a child. They needed a son to carry on the family line, to perpetuate his name, to inherit property, to take care of elderly parents. They were seen as symbols of God's blessing. And so year after year, Hannah has to go and has no child. This is a devastating blow for her. There was nothing worse in the Bible days than a woman that was not able to get pregnant. But the problem was the Lord had closed her womb. And listen, when the Lord closes the womb, he's the only one that can open it back up. I find it interesting that Hannah's name means grace. Right where you're sitting. As a matter of fact, in your little box, in your comments, just type grace. Everybody just type grace right now. Hannah's name means grace. Here's, here's some thoughts for you. With her deepest desire not granted, her life feels like anything but grace. <laughs> what do you do when you're saved by grace? You're called a child of grace, but you feel like you're living a graceless life. What do you do when you feel like you're not living in grace, rather just in constant pain and problems that never seem to end? 
Maybe you're asking God, where is my grace to conceive to have my children? Maybe you're asking, where is my grace for a miracle? Where is my grace for answered prayer? I see it happen for others. Why am I not seeing it happen for me? Why do I look around and hear stories from the church about how God answered their prayers, but it seems like that mine, the heavens, are closed? Why do I see other people and having nice families and children, but my womb seems to be closed? Why is it that I look around and I see other people getting married, but I can't even get a date? What is going on here? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God is calling you grace, but you look at your life and you say, well, it sure feels graceless to me. That's where Hannah was. Remember, they were devout. They were deeply religious. They obeyed God. There's nothing in this story to indicate they were not anything but sincere people going after the heart of God. And they were obedient to God. They were standing out in their devotion to God. Yet they still had a big problem. I want to tell you, you can serve God and live according to the Bible and still have a need for a miracle. You can still have a problem. You can still get a bad diagnosis from a doctor. You can still have the fear and all the stuff going with the coronavirus. You can still have the creditor say, pay now or we're taking the car. You can still have problems and serve God. What do you do when you serve God and you attend church regularly, but you still don't have something you deeply desire like Hannah did to have a child? How do you handle the pain and the frustration and the disappointment? Holly did a, a great devotion a couple weeks ago, and she said something I never thought about. When Simon Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on water, she said, I guess he thought he would walk on calm, smooth waters. You know, when we obey the word of God, it doesn't mean the storm stops. But I want to tell you, God will see you through that storm. In verses 6 through 8, in addition to Hannah not having what she deeply desired, the Bible says that Elkanah's other wife, Penaniah, taunted, provoked, and antagonized her. Penaniah is called her rival and, or adversary, and that means enmity or envy. She was Hannah's adversary, taunting her for what she did not have. You know, it's bad enough that you can't have children, but then you got somebody in the same house taunting you and making fun of you. Our adversary or our rival, Satan, will do the same thing to us. He'll afflict and he'll agitate and he'll taunt us for what we don't have. If you've prayed and asked God for a miracle, if you're praying and believing God for a child right now, or you're praying and believing God for healing in your body right now, or you're praying for your family members to be saved, or a breakthrough, or some kind of miracle, and it hasn't happened yet, the devil will whisper in your ear like Penn and I and taunt you. He'll tell you God doesn't love you. He'll tell you you're not good enough to get God's miracles. He'll tell you everybody else is better than you. He'll lie to you and try to get you to believe that you did so much stuff so bad for so long. There's no way God will answer your prayers. I want to tell you that's a lie, a lie, a lie. He is an adversary. We don't have to buy into what he is saying. It gets so bad. She's taunting year after year. I mean, this isn't just one day. This isn't just one week. I don't know if you ever got picked on as a kid at school or made fun of here or there. And, you know, it, maybe it lasts a day or two or a week and then you move on. Year after year. Here the Bible says she's taunted. She is just terrorized by Penaniah. She's terrorized within because she can't have a child. She's terrorized without because Penaniah is driving her nuts. And so by verse 7, she breaks down in tears 
and she can't even eat anymore. She stops year after year. She's got all this anguish and this sorrow and this agony. Her heart is plainly broken. She absolutely, there's no greater picture than verse 7 in all the Bible of someone who desperately is praying for something from God, but they feel totally helpless and totally hopeless. They're agonized. Maybe you're there today. Gripped by a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. Suffering with deep pain. Feeling cursed by God. What do you do when you look around and it seems like everyone else has what your deepest desire is? What do you do when it feels like your womb is shut up and everyone else is laughing with their children? And now it's become too painful to pull up Facebook and Instagram anymore because all you see is women having cute little videos and photos of their children and how great their family is. And meanwhile, you go to bed every night wondering, will I ever have a child? This is real stuff, folks. What do you do when it seems like everyone else is finding their mate in life and you can't even get a date? What do you do when it seems like everyone else is testifying that they're healed and you're still sick? What do you do when it seems like everyone else is getting their miracle, but God has shut the heavens up over you? I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there before. And it seems like you start to pray about it and there's brass heavens. You try to get a word from God in the Bible and it's just words on a page. You try to praise your way through and it just bounces off the ceiling. And it seems like, wait a minute, why does everybody else have everything I want? I can't get through. I can't have what I deeply desire. There's so many hearts broken today. They're so filled with sorrow and grief. So many people are suffering hurt and pain. And just like Hannah, maybe you're watching me right now and you're gripped with helplessness and hopelessness. And you can relate to Job where Job said in Job 17, 15, Where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Maybe right now you're saying, man, I'm like Job. I can't even see hope. The Bible says she didn't eat. Basically, she started fasting. I want to tell you. There's something powerful about prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 21 tells us that some things come about only by prayer and fasting. If you're feeling hopeless or helpless, if you feel like that your prayers aren't being answered, I'm telling you, start pushing the plate back. Get in the presence of God. There is nothing that will break a brass heavens faster than a person who sincerely fasts and prays before God. If you're watching me and you're having a hard time getting in the presence of God, put the plate away, start praying, fasting, and worshiping, and you'll sense the presence of God come on you. If you're just reading words on a page and you need a rhema word from God to jump off the page, into your spirit start praying and fasting if you need a miracle pray and fast there is something about her not eating and running to the house of God to the feet of God to get what she needs that is amazing verse 8 Elkanah says I love this he says am I not better than you than to you than 10 sons this is an expression used to remind her how blessed and loved she was to remember the good things that God had done Personal tragedy had so colored Hannah's perspective that she lost sight of the beauty and the grace that was already present in her life. And if we're not careful, folks, we'll become so focused on our need and our deepest desire. We'll become so focused on what we desperately want so bad that we will lose sight of all God has already done for us. We will lose sight of all the many blessings in our life. 
People usually want what they can't have. And the devil will always try to get you your eyes on what you don't have versus all that you do have. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. I want to tell you something. It's high time we quit putting so much focus on our deepest desires and the thing that we want so desperately. And we put our eyes on all that God has done for us. We need a grateful, thankful heart for what he's done. And that's what, that's what Elkin is trying to say. Hey, wait a minute. What about me? Ain't I better to you than ten sons? He's trying to remind her, hey, I know you don't have a son yet. It's coming, but don't forget the blessings you have. We need to count our blessings. Just type in the box, count my blessings. Hallelujah. So what do you do when you're in deep pain, anguish? You feel helpless and hopeless and you need a miracle and it's not happening. Well, that leads me to point number two, and that is pray to God for your miracle. Verse 9 and 10 uh, she runs to the house of God. Listen, there's no record of her praying or running to church or talking to God about the misery she's in prior to this chapter. Brokenness, anguish, pain can actually be good in a person's life because it will lead them to the only one who can actually help, and that is Jesus. And folks, if there's anything that good that can come out of this coronavirus, I hope it's that people will run to Jesus and know that he can answer your prayers and meet your needs. She ran to church and bitterly prayed. Are you there? This morning, are you ready to turn to God for your miracle? Are you ready to give your pain and hopelessness over to him? Are you tired of trying to fix it yourself? Look, if you could have fixed the problem, you'd have done it already, and so would I have. The helplessness and the hopelessness that you feel over your situation could be because you haven't truly given the problem over to God yet. Because when you give it over to Him totally, it changes everything. And I'll show you that here in just a minute. The, bless, the best place to go when you feel hopeless, when you feel bitterness of soul, when you feel like there's nowhere to turn is to the feet of Jesus Christ. It is to God in His presence. Prayer is the answer to painful circumstances in life. When we are in deep sorrow and our hearts are broken, prayer is the answer. When we are gripped by anguish and agony, grief, helplessness and hopelessness, prayer is the answer. When we're sad, downcast, discouraged and disheartened, prayer is the answer. Very simply, no matter what the trouble or the problem, no matter what the circumstance or the situation, no matter the trial or the tribulation, folks, prayer is the answer. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and to him who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Luke 18, 1, now he was telling them a parable, Jesus speaking, to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. If you've given up for your miracle, if you've thrown in the towel thinking, man, the dream is dead, I'll never have a child, I'll never get healed. If you're thinking, man, this will never, there's no hope for me in this situation. I want to tell you, prayer is going to give you heart back. It's going to put hope back in you because he's the one that can change it. John 16, 23, 24 says, At that time you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and He will give you a request because you use my name. I love that. Use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name. Twice Jesus says to use His name. And you will receive and you're, you will have abundant joy. Have you ever gone to someone 
and ask them, hey, I need to go get something or I need somebody to do something for me. Do you know anybody? And they say, I know somebody. Go to such and such a place and tell them I sent you. Use my name. You know, uh, one time we bought a brand new Yukon XL. The kids were small. Aaron was in a car seat. The kids, they were little bitty things. And you know, when you have three small kids, you, you go anywhere, you got to pack the whole house up. You, I mean, you got every cribs and everything, strollers. And so we had this big, huge, extended Yukon XL. I don't remember how long we had it, but it wasn't long, maybe a week old. I mean, brand new. And Haley come running up to me, and she said, Daddy, I wrote my name on the car. I said, you did what? We were in the church. The doors were open. She said, yeah. And she's holding a rock in her hand. And I walk over, and sure enough, she took that rock on our brand, brand new, less than 200 miles car and wrote her name on our car. Well, <laughs> I saw it, and I was just like, ah. And Haley was like, her eyes got this big, and she jumped in the Yukon while I jumped in after her. If I could have got my hands on I was going to strangle the life out of her. And she's running, and I'm running around the car trying to get, oh, I'm going to kill you. I mean, I was just furious. Fortunately, she was so small, she only had enough strength to write through the clear coat and not in the actual paint. And one of the guys uh, at the church, he said, hey, the guy at the end of the street here, the body shop, he's my cousin. Take the car down there, tell them you're my pastor, tell them I sent you, and tell them I said take care of you. And, and, and it was. It was a, it was a name drop. You, you know, there's something about name drops. I love it. God tells us to name drop. Nothing greater than the name of Jesus. He said praise using my name. <laughs> Hashtag name drop. Name drop Jesus. It gets the Father's attention. Hallelujah. Everybody say hashtag name drop. Just, just put it right in the box there. By verse 11, she's in deep pain and prayer. She makes a special vow to the Lord. And I, I don't want you to just take light of this. I want you to really focus on verse 11 here. She makes a special vow to the Lord that if the Lord would grant her son, she would give him back to him. Now, now that sounds easy. okay? But for those of you women, if you've not been able to get pregnant now, let me ask you something. Or for those of you that need a miracle or something you deeply desire, would you be willing to give what you deeply desire back to God if he gave it to you? Hannah is so desperate for a child, and she says, God, I'll give them to you if you give me one. Wow. Look, that's where the rubber meets the road, folks. It's easy to just to talk, but boy, she was willing to give up the very thing she wanted the most. Would you be willing to do that? Look, she didn't say, I'll give him back to you. You can have him for a year or two, and then I'll take him back. Or I'll give him to you. Give me some you know, more children or money or whatever. No, she said, I'm going to give you back the very gift itself entirely. My firstborn, the son of my prayer. The thing I desire the most. The phrase, I will give him to the Lord, in Hebrew has a performative force. What does that mean? It shows, watch this, you got to catch this. Lean up on your couch right now, and I want you to focus very closely. It shows not only that Hannah promised it, but also that she had already given her son to God by faith. When she said, you give me a son, I'll give it to him, in the performative force, it means I know I've got one coming, and God, he's already yours. She had so much faith to believe God. She said he's already yours. And she hadn't even been to see her husband. Wow. She isn't even pregnant yet. 
But for her, it was already done. This is tremendous faith in God. So there's a verbal exchange between her and Eli the priest. And by verse 17, the priest blesses Hannah. Now you have to understand, the priest represented God and his word in those days. So when the priest, even though he wasn't running things right, uh, blessed her, it was as if God blessed her. In other words, he said, let God grant your request. So it was like as if God said it. So the expression, you'll see it on your screen now. Go in peace marks a successful conclusion of negotiation or assurance that the request has been granted. In other words, it was done. She already gave her son that she didn't have in the natural yet to the Lord. And the priest said, so let it be. He came in agreement with her and it was done. And that leads me to point three and that is this. Your last point, receive your miracle. Do you need a miracle? Pray for your miracle. Thirdly, receive your miracle. Just receive it. Just hold your hands up like this right here and just say, Lord, I receive my miracle. Type in the box, I receive my miracle, Lord. In verse 18 and 19, Hannah received her miracle by faith. How do you know she received by faith? Because your Bible says in verse 18, 19, you can look it up. She stopped praying. She ended her fast and her countenance changed. Her sad face went away. Her countenance changed. Her facial expressions changed. She went back to eat and she went back home. For her, it was done already. That is a very clear inclination that faith had rooted. She was now in faith. She wasn't hoping and wishing. She wasn't throwing dice at the craps table hoping 7 and 11 comes up. She prayed and received her miracle. Everything about her changed. She went home and said, it's done. Glory to God. I'm praying that at the end of this service, every one of you has an experience like this. I remember me seeing Holly, and I've shared this before, slumped over the wheel. I had a vision of her, and I prayed and interceded for about an hour. And when the Lord spoke to me, he said um, that she had honored her father and mother, and her days on earth would be long. Immediately, the burden lifted. Immediately, I knew she was fine before she ever got home from her trip. Man, there's just something about when you truly connect in faith with God, you know it's done. She believed that the man of God, uh, that when the man of God agreed with her, that prayer, with prayer, that it was done. Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. She and the priest of God representing God agreed, and any time you have agreement, it's done. She received by faith, listen, before she ever saw the result, folks. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear my heart of what God is trying to say today. She hasn't even had relations with her husband yet. But she knew that when she did, she was going to get pregnant. Wow. That's the kind of faith in God God is calling us to. God heard Hannah's prayer. He saw her faith, her actions, and he answered by opening her womb to conceive. Can you receive by faith in the spiritual realm before you ever see it in the natural realm? Did, does God see your faith? The Bible says God saw her faith. Does God see your faith? James says you show me your faith without works. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. I'm going to show you that I change how I do things by my faith and belief in what God says. Woo! And by verse 19, watch this. Let me show you more proof that faith had ignited and she was really in faith. The Bible says she began to worship God by faith. 
Listen, faith praises God before you see the answer. Faith gives God thanks before you ever see the miracle. Faith gives God glory for your child in the womb before the test or the doctor ever says you're pregnant. Faith praises God before the doctor ever says there's no more cancer. Faith praises God before the bills are paid. Faith praises God before the marriage is ever restored. Faith praises God before the body is ever healed. I want to ask you today, are you willing to praise God in faith but for your miracle before you see it in the natural? For Hannah, everything changed. Her countenance, her fast ended. It was done and she began to praise God for what she had. And she hadn't even been home to see her husband yet. Wow. Folks, what are you believing for today? I don't know what you need. And it may not be pregnancy. It may be a healing or whatever it is. Can you believe God to the point that you can thank God for it now before you ever even see it? Hannah saw the result, the culmination of her faith nine, from nine months earlier. But you've got to understand, verse 19 and 20, her miracle wasn't when Samuel was born. Nor was her miracle even when she became pregnant. Hannah's miracle was when she believed that her prayer was heard and answered by God. And there was agreement between her and Eli and it was done. The Bible says in verse 19 that God remembered Hannah. He saw her faith and he remembered her. God answers prayer that is prayed in faith in him and his word. Look what Mark eleven twenty two through 24 says. Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. The Lord remembered means that God acted on her behalf and answered her prayer. He did not forget her. And I want to tell you, he's not a respecter of persons. If you're watching me, God will remember you. Notice that the prayer was answered when there was a kingdom purpose of ministry connected to it. So what's the result of all this? Well, you got to go to chapter 2 to see what happens when you give your miracle back to God. You say, well, pastor, that's great that she got pregnant and she had a son, but she had to give him to God. How's that helping her? And you may be thinking the same thing. Well, what if I give what I deeply desire back to God? Where does that leave me? Well, listen, you never give to the Lord without, without God doing something special for you. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11, you'll see on the screen, and I'm closing with this. Then Elkanah went to his home at Ramah, but the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. So she clearly gave Samuel to the Lord for the work of the Lord in the, in the, in the house of God. Going a little further in 1 Samuel 2, 18 through 21, watch this very closely. It'll be on your screen. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. So, so she did what she said. She vowed. She said, he's yours, God. And, and he, sure enough, he was. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Can you imagine the thing that you've wanted all your life is now not even living in your house? And every year she goes to worship, she'd bring him some clothes, she'd love on him, and then she'd have to walk back home and not see him for a whole other year. Can you imagine how that made her feel? Then Eli, watch this, verse 20. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, watch this. May the Lord give you children from this woman, not Penaniah, but Hannah. 
in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their home, and the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Again, Eli blesses her, and again she believes in her heart, and she gave one son to the Lord, and God said, I'm going to give you three more sons and two daughters. You cannot outgive God. If you're watching me right now and God's telling you to give tithes and offerings, God will bless you abundantly. Whatever your dream is, you give it to God, God will bless you with a better one. Whatever it is you lend to the Lord, He will repay. <laughs> God gave her, He opened her womb, and she had five beautiful children in her home. She believed the man of God. She believed the word of God. Faith ignited and God remembered what, what she did and how she acted and how she did what she said she'd do. So in conclusion, I have a question. What do you do to receive your miracle? Well, there's three things in it, and this is in closing here. Believe, stand on the word, and make a promise. Listen, you've got to believe Believe and claim the promises of God that the barren womb will bear children, that, that, that the sick body is in perfect health, that the barren womb will rejoice, that your lost loved ones will save. Just believe God's word just like Hannah did. Secondly, stand on the word. Write the biblical promises you're believing for. Maybe it's to have children. Maybe it's to be healed. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Find those scriptures in the Bible. Write them out on index cards or paper. And put them on your fridge with a magnet. Put them on your bathroom window. Me and Holly have scriptures on our bathroom window. And when you see them, morning, noon, night, whenever you see them, quote them out loud. Speak the word. Let your ears hear what the word is saying. Stand on the word of God. And finally, promise. Listen, married couples that are trying to get pregnant, make a promise to God that if He'll give you children, that you will raise them in the fear and admonition of God. You'll teach them the Word of God. You'll leave them an inheritance of serving Jesus Christ. That you will promise, you will make a vow to bring them up and for the service of Almighty God. That's what a baby dedication is. And so if you'll do those things, you'll believe God's word. You'll stand on his word. And you'll walk in faith. And you'll vow that you're going to raise that child in church and in Christianity. And in the word of God. Look out, folks. Because this time next year, I believe you're going to be holding your baby. I believe your sick body is going to be healed. I believe for your breakthrough. Wow. Man, God is good. I just want you to, I just want you to hold your hands out right here because I'm going to bless you now. This is, this is, this. Are you ready? Eli blessed her. She believed in faith. I'm the pastor of the church. God has given me the authority to bless you. I'm going to bless you now, and whatever it is you're believing for, listen, listen, lady. God can open your womb. I don't care what the doctors say. I, I don't care what the banker says. God can, God can pay those net, that that debt off. I don't care what the doctor says about your physical body. It's COVID-19, it's cancer, it's diabetes. God can heal it. And I just want to bless you. If that's all right, if you'll permit me, just hold your hands out. And I just want to bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, you've given me the authority as a pastor to bless this congregation. Whether they live in Cincinnati or wherever they live. And they're part of our family. Our Bridge of Hope family online or in person or wherever. Obviously not in person right now. But I bless them, God. 
Lord, just like Eli, God, whatever their prayer is, if it's for a barren womb to be open to have children, if it's, if it's for the doctor to say there's no more cancer or diabetes or heart problems, if it's, if it's for a financial breakthrough, if it's for a lost child or grandchild that is wayward and needs to come home, whatever it is, I come in agreement and I say, so let it be. So let it be, God, bless and honor them. Let faith ignite in every person watching right now, God. And we believe your word, and I come in agreement, and we call it done. We believe, we stand on the word. Father, I bless everyone watching right now to receive their miracle. I come in agreement, and we thank you, Father, that your word says it is done. Lord, let faith ignite in everyone watching right now that their countenance will change, that they'll begin to praise God for their miracle right now, that God, they'll know that you've done it, that you've done it before they ever see it in the natural. It is done. We receive this by faith, and we thank you, and we praise you, God. Hallelujah. Oh, just take 30 seconds right now, wherever you're watching him, praise him for your miracle. I'm going to. Father, thank you for my breakthrough. Thank you for my miracle. Thank you for what Holly and I are believing for. Oh, God, we praise you now because it is done. I thank you for the word. We come in agreement with your word and each other. And we call this done in Jesus' name. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching me and you don't, you don't even know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest thing you can do is give your life to him. If that's you right now, I just want to just pray with you because there's nobody better than God. He's so good to us. And if you don't know Jesus, you're not part of his kingdom. You can know him right now if you'd like. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. That means everything that I've ever done wrong. Wash me clean in your precious blood, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you, Lord, that by your grace and through faith in your word, I am now a child of God. If that's you, I'd love for you to text the word believe uh, on the screen. You'll, you'll see the word believe. Uh, text the word believe to the number on the screen, and we'll, we want to get in touch with you and help you in your journey. If you're watching uh, from your phone on Facebook, just post the word believe in the comments section right now. We'll connect with you. Also, we'd love to connect with you. If you're new, type the word new. We want to reach out to you. If you'd like to connect with us, you can type the word connect. And uh, uh, to the number on the screen, we'll reach out to you. If you're watching from your phone on Facebook, just post the word connect in that section right now. And uh, uh, I just want to thank you for joining with me today. 
Hey, listen, don't let the devil talk you out of your miracle. You prayed, you believe from now on. Now on, listen, you don't have to pray anymore for it. It's done. All you got to do is thank God that it's already done. Just like Hannah. When it was done, she just went, she went from praying to praising and worshiping. It was done in her mind. Right now, you, you've already prayed. We've come in agreement. It's done. Now all you got to do is praise and thank God for it. You will see it. I believe this time next year you'll be holding your baby. I believe this time next year the doctor's going to say it's a clean bill of health. I believe this time next year you're going to see. And maybe for some of you, it may be tomorrow, whenever. I believe you're going to see your answer. Hallelujah. God bless you. Stay in tune with us each day on Instagram and Facebook. And we're posting stuff on our Facebook page and the email. Check your emails. And we've got daily devotionals going out. We love you. God bless you. Next week, I'm going to pick back up in the series on Psalm 23, The Good Shepherd. I hope you're enjoying that. We're going to pick up in verse 4 next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for being with us.